we have something exciting tonight. You may have recognized already, I, I normally preach, but since I'm holding this, that means I'm not preaching tonight. So I um, want to thank you for your prayers this week. Uh, we had a burial at Arlington National Cemetery for the Perry family, so I encourage you to keep praying for them. Um, was out of town there and just got back and sadly brought the cold weather with me, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but I get the joy of introducing my old youth pastor, who's going to bring the word tonight. So this is really cool because uh, Tony actually was the first person that taught me to study the Bible inductively. Uh, sometimes we call this exegesis or inductive Bible study. I don't know if you've learned some of these methods where you just pick it apart verse by verse. First person that taught me to do that, I became a Christian my senior year in high school. And that same year, our church hired their first full-time youth pastor. So this guy taught me how to study the Bible, taught me to lead others in Bible study, leading small groups, um, taught me to share my faith, taught me even to lead worship which at Jokes, you're probably glad I stopped doing that one, but I'm just doing the other one still. Um, so anyway, uh, please give uh, a, why don't you give a round of applause? That would encourage me, right? Round of applause? No, that makes him uncomfortable. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so we've got a treat tonight. He's going to be sharing the word with us. We're also going to spend some time looking at a video, which is a little unusual. Just want to let you know, we know that. So in case that freaks you out, we know that's unusual. We're going to be watching a little bit of a video tonight. Uh, but we're also going to be applying what we're learning in the video uh, according to the scriptures. So I appreciate Tony being willing to, to share with us. And we decided at the last minute that he'd rather get closer to you and use the music stand. So I'm going to come down here now um, and pray for him before we get started. God, I thank you for my friend. I thank you for his encouragement and investment in me over the years. I pray that you would bless our time tonight. Help us to learn from your word. I pray that you pray for me this week. I pray this in Jesus' name. Reverend, Reverend Dave. Hey, um, I'm gonna, I get to tell, I, th I think I tell a different story. I think I told two different ones about Dave. Um, one, one time we were, he had superpowers. Uh, I don't know if y'all knew that. Um, when uh, not only, he told you before he could eat, he literally could eat like no person ever. Like he would eat a dozen donuts and then we'd be having hot dogs and he'd eat three or four of those and then there'd be a couple left and he'd say, come on, Dave, you could do it. And he would just and it would be like championship eating. And uh, you remember when you got your head stuck in the hole in the cave? Uh, he stuck his head through a hole and turned it and then couldn't pull it out. And, and his nose was kind of stuck. And so we had to kind of help him back out. You remember that? That was, that was scary, but we lived through it. So um, it is uh, it's, um, a lot of history, a lot of history. Um, we're going to talk about... Peace, that's the, the, that's the third one on the thing, right? And four, oh, we're on the fourth one. Ah, we're, so we're talking about peace, the very last one. Uh, and uh, when Dave and I were talking about this, um, it's an interesting thing about peace, and it's probably one of the things that I have struggled with over the years in terms of just joy and peace, in terms of, you know, where is the joy that we are commanded to have? The Bible commands us to be joyful, right? Commands. Um, rejoice, but yet sometimes, or at least for me, maybe none of y'all, um, that seems to be a problem for me at times. I tend to get caught up in um, the craziness of the world and tend to be anxious a lot and tend to worry. Um, my kids call me a worrywart sometimes, uh, maybe more than sometimes. Sometimes they call me grumpy. Um, and it is something to the point that I know that it's something that I need to work on and have really spent a considerable amount of time uh, in prayer 
And the video we're going to talk about, or we're going to show, and it is, it's, it's a little over an hour. So we, we, I'm just kidding. Uh, just, they looked up. They were looking down. Everybody looked up. Um, it, it's, um, it's a little longer, so hang in there with it. But that video uh, was something that, that clicked with me in terms of why I might be having some trouble. Um, and what a, the, the joylessness at times was was the problem in that um, the, this this message and the benefit of this message for me as I as I spent preparing this all the way till about seven this morning um, was that uh, it, this is this message is kind of my last year rolled up into uh, my journey what what the Lord has done with me in the last year um, been a believer for over thirty years. Uh, was at Mike's house and Mike and Carol Harris when uh, what I guess I was a sophomore when y'all were doing Young Life and and uh, many many years ago and and the baby the first one I didn't drop either uh, it was the the second to the last one but you know um, had through this whole journey and wasn't a believer back then you know I was just tagging along watching looking thinking I was. You know, I was doing all the, and just thought this whole time that I was, was, was doing okay. And it wasn't until um, somehow I ended up at a retreat in Salado, Texas, if y'all know where that is, on a ranch by myself. Uh, normally didn't go anywhere by myself. Uh, in this cabin thing, the, the, the ranch, the guy that used to own it, he's not here anymore, but um, his family still owns it. His name was C.B. Hodge. It was a ranch, and there was this... I knew nobody there. It was it was a weird deal when I look back on it. How in the world, if I were looking back, did God orchestrate this whole thing and have me in this place with nobody? I don't even know how I got there. And it was like the guy was talking straight to me. And from that point on, my life has never been the same. And God has con- been continually working and changing me and showing me things and a year ago, um, I've been working through this This um, every year. This is something Dave challenged me to do 10 years ago. It's a daily Bible. You read through the Bible in an entire year. Have any of y'all seen this? It's a chronological Bible, which is really neat, especially in the Old Testament, because it takes you historically to it, and the books all line up. And so I've in my um, last year at this time, I was reading through Mark, and Keep in mind, um, I was a full-time youth pastor for years. This was my ninth time to read through this. And all of a sudden, one passage that I've read, I don't know how many times, 100, 200 times, God just opened up to me. And it was in Mark chapter 9 where the guy, there was a guy, and his his kid was possessed by a demon. And, and everybody was all around Jesus, and he said, Jesus, can you... Can you do this? Can you heal him? And Jesus said, can, you know, much as possible to those who believe. And the guy said, y'all remember what he said? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That was, I, I, like I said, how many times have I read that and just right over it? But that floored me. And that began a 12-month journey really leading up to today in that how do you believe and not believe? You know, how can you do both? Lord, I believe. He was talking to the Son of God. Lord, I believe, and he was earnest. Help my unbelief. Jesus healed the guy, right? And so 
through that process of, you know, what's this unbelief? And then it, and, and I began to connect the dots. Okay, maybe this has to do with my joy. And, and where is this joy that I need to have at all times? And this peace. And so I started studying prayer and, and reading books and, and, and praying, you know, God, open my eyes to this. Show me what this, maybe this joy is somehow rooted in my unbelief. I understood the gospel, claimed the gospel, had tremendous head knowledge, but yet there was still, maybe there was unbelief in that. And so as I was going through this and, and thinking through and, um, and just seeing what God was showing me in different things, a few months later, I got pretty, I started to have some, some health issues and, and it was weird kind of stuff and it was just, um, and finally I got to the point at work, we have this um, service. It's a teledoc service where you can call a doctor. I guess I guess it's a doctor. They tell you it's a doctor. And, um, you know, I was telling him what all was going on, and um, the guy was quiet for a little time. And I said, hello. He said, no, I'm thinking, I'm looking. And he was, I could hear him typing. And so maybe he wasn't a doctor. Maybe he was just looking for help. But he said, you know what? He said, uh, and asked me a few more questions. He said, you need to get you a neurologist immediately. And I said, so, you know that's not easy. And he said, you need to get to a neurologist immediately. And he repeated, and I said, so what's going on? He said, well, I can't tell you. I'm not doing all this stuff, but here's, are y'all cold? I'm cold. Um, he said, um, here's what might be going on. And so the things that he said were not pleasant. Um, they were scary. And so... I had already made an appointment, which took me a long time, with a, with a rheumatologist because I thought it was autoimmune related. So I canceled that, started calling all around to find a, neuro a, a neurologist to call up and say, hey, I need an appointment. Well, you, well, yeah, this guy on the telephone told me I need to come see you. That They don't normally take appointments that way. So I had to, and they were booked out for months. So I had to wait two and a half months to see this doctor. And it, during that two and a half months, God was still working in me and showing me and, and through more reading of scripture and, you know, it was this, this anxiousness. And I didn't really tell anybody um, because I didn't know, I didn't have anything to say because I was still a little skeptical um, in that I didn't know what to say. So I kind of just worked through this and to see what kind of, what was going to happen. I trust very much in the sovereignty of God, that I do. And so I figured God is going to do what he's going to do. And so I went this two and a half months and um, saw the guy, really nice guy. I mean, a lot of specialists aren't nice. This guy was really nice. Started asking me some questions, pulling and tugging and figuring out, oh, you know, this and making me do all these kinds of things. And, you know, he said, um, okay, I don't think it's these things. So that was good. He said, well, we're going to do some blood, we're going to do some blood work, and then I want you to come back. And so, you know, after that, God, um, I never ended up going back, and we'll talk more about that. Um, but I started um, thinking through this whole time, and, and Romans is my favorite book, um, and in Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. So what is peace? We can talk, you know. We're, 
smaller. We can talk peace. A lot of times we think, you know, it's peace and quiet um, and, you know, lack of, con- you know, conflict, none of that kind of stuff. But the problem with that, when we look at that way, um, we don't necessarily get the full biblical use of this word. The Greek root of that word is union. Union after separation. Two warring sides would come together. A lot of times there was what was called a peace offering. And there would be union after separation. Going on in Romans 5, but 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us that we will, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. In verse 10, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were reconciled. Again, while we were enemies. Have you ever thought about that we really were enemies? Mutual. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I don't know if you've heard of him. He was a very famous preacher um, in the previous century. It's almost weird to say that. Uh, In the 1950s, uh, 60s, I think 70s. He had a great comment. He said, when we... When we have been reconciled to God, the enmity, the, and, and that translates, uh, or the definition, deep-seated, often mutual hatred between us and God is gone because of what God has done in His grace. But the result of grace is not only peace with God, it gives a man peace within. It enables a man for the first time in his life, to answer an accusing conscience. It enables a man for the first time in his life to have a rest in mind and heart. For the first time, a man is truly able to live with himself and know that all is well. The conflict has ended in this fundamental sense, and he understands for the first time the cause of all his troubles. He sees a way of overcoming all his difficulties and glimpses the final victory that is awaiting him in Christ. So through the gospel, we can answer an accusing conscience. We can have rest in our mind and our heart. We can live with ourselves. And we can know that all is well through the gospel. So Christian... If the gospel is true, and I assume we believe it is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, then why do we find it so hard to be at peace? I don't think I'm the only one that's chasing that. So if the gospel is true, why is it so elusive? Peace. And joy. There's a general that's been nominated for Secretary of Defense. General Mad Dog Mattis. He 
has a quote that some people, it really, they don't like it, but it's very apropos here. No war is over until the enemy says it's over. We may think that it's over. We may declare it over, but in fact, the enemy gets a vote. So while the big war is, is won, right? We know where we're going to spend eternity. I hope everybody in this room knows that through the gospel. The problem is, and Paul talks about this in Romans 7, for I know that nothing good in me dwells, that is, in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the good, but the doing of the good is not. I can summarize, why can't I do what I want to do, and why do I do what I don't want to do? Y'all know that passage? Where? Why? Why is it so hard to do what I want to do? And in verse 22, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. And here's the but. Verse 23, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. Wretched man that I am, exclamation mark, wretched. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Now, who is this talking or writing? This is Paul. If anybody should have it under control, it would be Paul, right? Paul struggled with the same stuff. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. While the battle for the believer's soul has been won, the battle for his affections or our affections rages every day. So we're going to watch this video. And we're... Keep in mind and think about the battle. Where is the battle fought? Paul talks about it. In my mind. The battle is fought in the mind. So when you're watching it, think about that battle. And we're going to come back and talk about it a little more. drinks it's a little gimmicky for me <laughs> yeah uh, maybe you know things are really starting to take off my wife and I are hoping you'll come head up our shipping you've really saved our butts over the last few months uh, we're gonna need somebody good if things were right in the universe this Terrence guy he'd be working for you uh, you know I've got my own thing going mm, okay all right the offers there would you mind double taping that box they're really heavy double tape his mouth as much as you do. Why don't you fire back about your big pitch? Your company's going to be bigger than his. You know, another day
ticket out of here. 150 grand in my own offices. Oh yeah? Well, what's that? It's my online pitch. It's at the final stage, so one more step and they're gonna put me on that new entrepreneurship. Oh, your, your photo ID. No, something different, but uh, I'm keeping it under wraps. <laughs> hey, well, good luck. Pitching's my only strong suit, sad to say. What about you? Have you done a lot of pitching before? A little bit. clutter you're not alone uh, one pristine spot on your fridge and uh, when you open the fridge and close uh, the picture changes open close uh, and, oh, and it also has new snapshots technology uh, so there's no need for a remote Snapshots technology. You brought a refrigerator to a pitch. So, when do you waste your money on this? Oh, Frank, really? What's worse, you don't have. people all about the transactions Susan image and I pay attention and direct his thoughts where I want them to go never let him direct his own thoughts always lead one step ahead excuse me sir I'm wondering why exactly are we doing Exposed. Everyone will know. What? What will they know? Everything. Every last little thing in here. All the failures and fears, the weaknesses and tears. See? So I do my job. I'm like a shot, an inoculation. I play a little of these old tapes full of hiss and static.
Mr. Greer, yeah, yeah, finish this up. Uh, Mr. Gunderson sent for me to. I need you to sort this mail now. You're not my boss. Right, look, I'd be happy to debate that later, but it's too late. stitched Italian leather, 32 interior compartments. It even has a, uh, a whiteboard where you can put down your ideas. You're going to bomb again? Just like every other time. Hey, that water bottle dude's out front. Can't barge in here like that. He came to pick up that banner we made, but I can't find it. This is where it was supposed to be. Stupid, he couldn't find it. No worries. It's gonna make our booth look so much better. Oh, uh, the graphics you gave me, the dimensions were at 18 feet, and I know your tents are 16, so I switched it. I, you can open it and check it out if you want. Man, you, I trust you. like yourself? Seriously? You're asking this guy for advice? Oh, gosh. Hold on. I should check. Well, I think some people get thrown off because they're not prepared, obviously. Or they're too focused on what the other person's thinking of them rather than the value of what they have to offer. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good tip. He can talk all day long about value. His company's worth something. Simon, my buddy's not going to unrest you tonight. Why don't you come with us? We'll hang out. You know what? I have some things to wrap up, but uh, thanks. Anyways.
my task. Snapshots technology. You brought a refrigerator to a cage. <clears throat> Hi, Simon. Welcome to Andre. Uh, can you see us all right? Yes, yes, I can. Congrats on making it to the online pitch. The materials that you sent were good, and you've got some clever ideas. And we love the potential in your story, from the post office to the corner office. <laughs> We're interested to see what else Captain brings to the table. We're really looking for those five contestants that people are going to want to watch. Uh-huh. Before we hear more about your new product, we have a few other questions for you. Yeah, sure. Fire away. It's already a lost cause. Face reality. If you haven't succeeded by this point in your life, you really think it's going to happen now. Like this. Sorry? Regarding your team, the, the people you want to bring on board? Oh, um... Oh. What happened? Uh, can we pause for one second, please? No problem.
What do you need? We're about to go get a bite to eat. I was checking in. Hey, how'd the pitch go? <laughs> it went fine. That good, huh? Why don't you come out with us? have a good time. I've got some work to do. All right, man. Hey, we'll be over there if you change your mind. What self-righteous pity. Now your project is even more patronizing.
what is the purpose of war? A lot of you in this room know better than many people. The purpose is to subdue the enemy, right? To conquer, to vanquish. But there's another definition to the word subdue. To bring under control by physical force or persuasion. So this video for me was a very good visual. I've read the screw tape letters. I've I've read the different parts in the Bible about the flesh and the warring members and and I've long time ago this present darkness and all these things about the battles and all this stuff but it this clicked with me and that the voice for me it's so easy I, I'm easily deceived you know I can be well if somebody you should be mad that they said that or if they really cared they would do that or you can't do that or whatever it is and the voices that that Satan is trying to do is to get us distracted, to take our focus off of the gospel. There are two, remember, there's a Paul said in Romans 7, there's a law of God and then a different law in the members of my body, the law of sin. There's two laws, there's two gospels. The gospel is God, the gospel is Satan, the gospel of the world, the gospel of heaven, the gospel of hope, the gospel of despair. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We know what is true, but so often we allow ourselves to believe the lie. We can make ourselves or be made into a victim or a martyr. We can be bitter. People cloak themselves. They're warm in that blanket of bitterness or anger. Have you ever heard it said we're the sum of our experiences? It's a true statement. The great thing is the gospel, we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ through the gospel. And that we don't have to have our identity in all those things that the world keeps bombarding us. The movies we see, the music we listen to, the books we read, all these things out there that the world is constantly bombarding us with, and we choose to believe those lies. In the screw tape letters, um, there's a C.S. Everybody, anybody ever heard of it? Written by C.S. Lewis. It's a story. It's interesting. It's it's uh, a demon named Wormwood, a senior demon, and he's writing a letter. I'm sorry, named Screw Tape, and he's writing letters to his nephew Wormwood, who is a a, a, a tempter. He's like learning, and they have this guy that Wormwood has been assigned to, and they call him the Patient. So he's giving him tips. He's giving him tips on how to do his job, and he says in one of the quotes. We must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and advancement, where everyone has a grievance, where everyone lives with the deadly serious passions of envy, self-importance, and resentment. The enemy's job is to deceive us, to take us our focus off of the gospel. So how do we fight it? How do we fight the battle? That's the question. We're commanded to be joyful. Almost every one of Paul's letters, he starts and he says, grace and peace to you or peace to you. It's, it's the theme, peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. So if you go to Philippians 4, he tells us how to fight it. 
4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One of my very first memory verses from long ago. Claim it all the time. When things are going wrong, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious. And so I'm sitting there telling, I just it's like there's a, a, a switch I can flip to just not be anxious. Does it work that way for y'all? Because it doesn't work that way for me. I can just feel it when I'm getting anxious, when I'm getting stressed, when I'm not believing that God is in control or it's not going to go the way that I want it to go. And my focus on this verse was always on be anxious. And pray. Let your requests be made known to God. The problem, that's not what this is about. This passage right here is how to fight the battle. So how do we fight it? Rejoice always. And then be anxious for nothing. Pray for everything. And what's the last thing? Pray for everything with what? Thanksgiving. The way we fight the battle, the battle of being anxious, the battle of put whatever word you want, angry, bitter, insecure, whatever. To rejoice always, be anxious for nothing, pray for everything with thanksgiving. That's the key to peace. The key to peace Jesus said, when we come to me, all you are who are weary and heavy laden, right? Come before the Father, lay our cares before him with confidence and assurance in a spirit of rest with joy and thanksgiving. Can we be at peace and not be thankful? See, that is the gospel. What it's doing, Philippians 4, that passage there, it's pointing us back to the gospel. The gospel is the key. What are we grateful for? For our salvation, our adoption, our inheritance, our justification, sanctification, glorification. The cross for so many, and for me, for many years, the cross was an event in time that I marked in time when I got saved. The cross. It was an event. So then I've been justified by through the cross, through the blood of Christ, and now I'm doing this thing called life, living this Christian life. And the cross was something that I claimed, but I didn't come back to. Jesus said we were dead, lost, and blind. He came to give life to the dead, sight to the blind, and find the lost. What are we grateful for? What should we be grateful for? What has God done for you? Well, the gospel, we know, took us 
didn't deserve anything but hell because of our nature, because of our unbelief, and sent his son to die for us and gave us the gift of faith. And after, you know the story when Paul, he's out killing Christians on the way to Damascus. He sees Jesus, and then what? He's blind, you remember? And he goes into Damascus, and a guy named Ananias comes to him, lays his hands on him, and what happens? The scales fall off his eyes, and he can see. Jesus gave sight to the blind. And Paul always goes back, if you look on all these things, where Paul is struggling with that and with the thorn in his flesh and all these other things, he always comes back to the gospel. Praise and thanksgiving. In Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, I will take your heart of stone, I will give you a heart of flesh, and then I will put my spirit within you, and then I will cause you to walk within my statutes and ordinances. A dead, lost, and blind person can do nothing on their own. You have nothing to thank yourself for in your salvation. It is all a work of God in Christ. And we need to go back to that over and over every day, every minute. We got to come before the Father with a grateful heart, with a joyous heart. And that is how we fight the battle. That's where we find peace. The cross cannot just be an event. It cannot be a marker in time. It is something we claim every day. Have you ever been in a real hurry? And you come to a, uh, a railroad track and you, you're driving down the road and you see the things go down and you see the lights go on and you're trying to decide, just like, oh, go where you go and then uh, the train is like the longest train in history you're in a hurry and when's it going to be over when's it going to be over when's it going you're watching you're watching you're getting in the days you're getting you may be looking at all the graffiti and all this stuff you know what has been by right you know what's here but you can't see the end so you don't know how long it is right but if you were up here above it you'd see the beginning and the end and everything in between the gospel, think about it for a second. The gospel takes us to the beginning, which is what? What Jesus coming, his birth, the death, the resurrection, it points us to the end, right? Glorification, so that we might have perspective on today. We cannot have the proper perspective on today if we don't go to the beginning and the end and claim that. Those bookends are how we live this life. It is the gospel. It's nothing but the gospel. We go to Jesus. Jesus points us to the end to get perspective. There is no other way to fight the battle. But so often, Christians, myself included, we know the beginning, we know the end, but we kind of do this thing in between on our own. 
right? We want to honor God. We want to be grateful. We prayed. We want to do all these things. We want to bring glory to God. That's why we're here. But this battle that's going on in our mind, we're not fighting with the right tools. We're trying to fight it on our own. Dave gave me a great book um, to read. Um, This journey I've been on for the last year, this this book was the, the second to the last piece. Preparing this message was the last piece. But this book, Gospel Center Discipleship, it helped package everything up for me. It helped me to understand that the gospel is something that we need to continue to preach. And there's a great chapter on it about the Holy Spirit and how we have the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, what? As a pledge of our inheritance, he's called our comforter, our advocate, to help us fight this battle that points us to the gospel. So when I went to that neurologist, he told me nothing was wrong. He asked me a bunch of questions, said we're going to do some blood work, and I'm, I'm off. I'm going, okay, this is good. I'm, I'm feeling good about it. And in the car, there was just this random question he asked about how I was eating. And I started thinking about it. And all of a sudden, a, a switch flipped. I have severe food allergies. Um have had them for almost eight years, um, got really, really sick, Scott and White couldn't figure it out, went and spent a week at the Mayo Clinic, went through all these different things going on, they couldn't figure it out, you know, they, they, I, I had, they had different ones that told me I had all kinds of things going on. Well, they crossed most of those off the list at, at the Mayo Clinic, but he said, I don't know what to tell you. He said, I want you to do one thing when you get back, go get tested for food allergies. So I did. And it turns out that um, I'm pretty allergic, not like knife in the throat, stick a straw and that kind of stuff, bad, but I get sick. I get really sick from milk, eggs, peanuts, and I have a very, very high sensitivity to gluten. So once I, once I found that out, and within a month of getting those out of my diet, I was like a different person, literally. You are what you eat. I don't know if everybody realizes that, but but in my case, that was very real. And so that therein lied the next, you know, six, seven years of the battle to eat. It's hard to eat. It's hard to eat. And you got three kids, and it's hard, you know, so it's it's not only hard, it's expensive doing all this eating out. You gotta there's I got sick all the time in town. I used to travel a lot for work would always get sick. So I started taking, packing my own food, doing it, I mean, finding things. And one day I read about an article uh, in one of my business magazines I get about a guy, a new startup, and, and uh, this he was going to conquer hunger in the world with this powder, and he raised a bunch of money, and uh, it was supposed to be the complete meal. And so I said, you know, I'll try it, and I got it, and I tried it, and uh, Man, it was it was it was a silver bullet for me. Didn't have to worry anymore about eating. So I started off just doing one a day breakfast. Then I would, if I was going to be meetings or going to be traveling, I'd I'd mix up one and take it for dinner or for lunch. And as time went on, I got so busy, and it was just so easy with this that all three of my meals became this drink. 
And the funny thing is, and I'm embarrassed to say, because I'm, I'm, I'm really a, a goofball, um, in that when I first started doing it, they had sent me a scoop, and then they had changed their formulation and told you to do this. And so, in effect, each of the drinks I was doing, I was doing one scoop of this stuff. Well, in reality, I was supposed to be doing three. Wasn't a big deal when you're doing one a day. But when your only food coming in are three of these things and you're getting half the nutrients you need, my body was starting to have problems. Lack of protein, lack of other important things, and it was manifesting itself in very disquieting things. And the doctor, I never even went back and saw the neurologist. I didn't even mess with the blood work because once I read that and I figured it out, I changed, and it was like, Within three or four days, I, I felt better, and I don't even have to, I have none of the problems. So the moral of the story is read the directions. Uh, when y'all are putting stuff together on Christmas Eve for your kids, read the directions, unless they're not written in English, and then you got to do what you can. But I was physically starving myself and didn't even know it. I had no clue other than these this crazy stuff that was just going on. But the funny thing is, it then. so how does this all tie together? Why is that even relevant? Because it dawned on me, this whole journey I was on, all the way coming, I was not preaching the gospel to myself every day. I was fighting this battle on my own. I was not going to the foot of the cross. I was not coming before God with joy and thanksgiving and coming for the gospel, and I was starving myself spiritually. And I believe, at least in my experience, this lack of joy, this battle for joy that I have been conscious of, that God has convicted me of, and that I've been pursuing is because I have not been going to the gospel, preaching it to myself every day, all day. I was starving myself. To avoid this starvation, to get this gospel of peace, to get this peace that surpasses all comprehension, preach the gospel to yourself. Embrace it. Rest in it. Rest in it with a joy and grateful heart. That is the key to success. Paul tells us that in Philippians. I just, all those years, I focused on the doing part. I'm a doer. Cross the list. That's why for me the disciplines have, have are scary. The word witnessing prayer and fellowship, the navigator wheel, scripture memory, all these things. I'm great at lists, making myself worthy. So when it says be anxious for nothing, Brother Gilman, I'm going to figure out how to be anxious for nothing. I miss the rejoice always, come before God with thanksgiving. I'm going to be anxious for nothing, and I'm going to throw it all on God, all my prayer requests. And I miss what Paul was saying here. Do this with joy always and thanksgiving always. So this whole thing has come together for me. This journey of the last year that started off with um, my reading in this. By the way, did I already mention this? I've done This is like the 10th time sermon for today, I guess. Uh, I would encourage you to, if you're looking for something to do, try that daily Bible. And one thing you'll be amazed with is you'll read it over, and then the next year God may show you something totally different. And two years, three years later, you may see something totally different. That's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit pointing you to the gospel. 
So I appreciate this opportunity. I'm thankful for this opportunity because God has used preparing of this message to bring it all together. I do want to say one last thing. Some of us here may be fighting this battle on two different fronts. We may be fighting this battle um, spiritually, fighting the evil one, and this lack of joy, and some people may say depression and all these other kind of things, and, and because we listen to the voices and we choose not to believe the gospel of God, but the gospel of the world. But some people here may be fighting this battle in a medical capacity as well. And I want to encourage you that both are important. Do not put all your hope and your faith that medicines and counseling and all those things are going to get you that joy. Fight it on both fronts. It's very necessary you deal with it here. But also, you still have to fight that battle in the spiritual realm as well. You still have to go to the gospel. You still have to preach the gospel to people, though. It can't be one or the other for some people. You've got to believe God, and God will get you through it, and that's what the gospel is all about. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the work that your son did for us on the cross willingly. I thank you for your spirit that you gave us as a pledge of our inheritance to to help point us to the gospel every day. Father, I pray that you would help us to, to come before you and lay our cares in your lap, Father, with joy, with confidence, with thanksgiving, and that the peace that surpasses everything we can comprehend, Father, that you would just heap on us when we are joyful and thankful for what you have done, Father. I pray that you would give us this heart of gratitude, this heart of joy. In your son's name we pray.